Hello, and welcome to Ground Control Parenting, a blog and now a podcast created for parents raising black and brown children. I'm the creator and your host, Carol Sutton Lewis. In this podcast series, I talk with some really interesting people about the job and the joy of parenting. I am really excited to welcome back to the podcast today's guest, best-selling author, Nancy Red. Yay, Nancy's back. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about holiday celebrations and all the exciting Red family contributions to the holiday season that we can all enjoy. Nancy Red is an award-winning on-air host, a New York Times and USA Today best-selling author, a two-time Mom's Choice Award winner, an NAACP Image Award nominee for Outstanding Literary Work, and a GLAAD Media Award nominee for Outstanding Digital Journalism. She is also the author of Bedtime Bonnet, A Celebration of Black Hair and Hair Care Rituals, which she talked about during our last podcast, and her latest release, The Real Santa, which talks about Santa Claus, and we'll get into that during the podcast. Nancy holds an honors degree in women's studies from Harvard University. She and her amazing husband, Rupak Yin, have two children, August, who's 11, and Rupali, who is eight. Welcome back to Ground Control Parenting, Nancy. Oh, thanks for having me. Last time I had baby Nancy, who was six. She's publicly Rupali. I don't, this is, this is the first time I've heard someone make that switch to me. <laughs> and and I, I definitely want to talk to you about that. When we, I want to talk all about formerly known as baby Nancy, now Rupali's work. But first, I want to talk to you about the holidays because they're coming up. We're speeding into the holiday season. And, you know, we were saying it's cold where you are. You're in Los Angeles. It's cold where I am. I'm in New York City. And this reminds us that the holiday season is upon us. So let me ask you this. How did you grow up celebrating the holidays? First Thanksgiving and then Christmas. How was your Thanksgiving when you were growing up? Well, Thanksgiving was much more of a, a thing when I was growing up than it is now because we knew a lot less about the origins of Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my mom was a first grade school teacher. And so she's always said, make the most of every holiday. The holidays are what you put into them. And so our house for every holiday, whether it was Easter or Valentine's Day or Thanksgiving or St. Patrick's Day, was decorated like a first grade school, <laughs> school house. <laughs> and I loved it. And it was one of the things I continue to do. I just go to the dollar store, honestly. I get up a bunch <laughs> of ragged decorations and I just put them all over the house. And the kids love it. It makes it fun. They look forward to the decorations. But for Thanksgiving, we've mellowed it out for a variety of reasons. And we turn it more into just kind of like a gratitude day. Mm -hmm. We're not doing a turkey this year. We're going to an exotic meat butcher on Saturday. Oh. And the children each get to pick something, whether it's going to be you know, frog's leg or ostrich, or they apparently have like ground camel questions oh. about this. No. <laughs> so we're just kind of making it a fun time for us to enjoy a dinner. You know, I, I like that. And, and I will have to hastily agree that in our household, and even when I was growing up, Thanksgiving was sort of a literal holiday. We gave thanks for being around the table. We gave thanks for our families, for the bounty before us, most focused on gratitude, on gratitude for each other and gratitude for making it through. So yeah, I, I'll have to agree that I, I hope that Thanksgiving as a holiday has evolved into that because that that would be the best takeaway from Thanksgiving. So you guys aren't doing the turkey or you're doing the you're stepping away from the traditional from your Virginia roots of traditional Thanksgiving, I would imagine. 
Yeah. I, well, not, I mean, it's, it's well, also, we really love Christmas. So they're mm-hmm. so close, quite frankly, mm-hmm. that I kind of dump everything into Christmas. Like, <laughs> Thanksgiving is a hurdle to get over, to get to the real <laughs> one. Um, I'm excited for that Friday to be able to comfortably have my car decorated, have my house decorated with my Christmas <laughs> cheer. So, you know, we're just going to have a good time. Thanksgiving just just biding our time till the Christmas festivities can begin. Okay, so that is a perfect segue into the Christmas holiday celebration. So this year, more so than others, the the Red Jin family is really celebrating Christmas. But before we get there, tell me about how you had Christmas growing up in Virginia. I mean, well, it was a huge thing. Christmas was the time. I mean, I can't underestimate the excitement that people had for Christmas from basically February on. You, wow. It's hard to remember, but before the internet, when you got the Sears <laughs> catalog and when you got mm-hmm. all the different catalogs, I mean, I am of that weird generation that grew up with one foot in the, oh my goodness, there are catalogs that come into my house that have images of things I've never seen before that you pour over for months and you circle you write lists and you know most of that stuff is never coming mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still a dream and that was the exciting part I feel like now kids get so much stuff and it's so there and anybody can have everything almost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that that type of imagination magic is kind of gone but people have leaned more into the magical elements, like with Elf on a Shelf, we mm-hmm. were heavily invested in Elf on a Shelf for many years. I mean, I was one of those people that, I mean, we created scapes, Elf scapes. It was awful. I spent hours, <laughs> hours just placating my children's massive desires for intricate Elf on the Shelf experiences. And they were so bummed to find out that Elf on the Shelf wasn't real. They found out at the, basically the last year when my book, The Real Santa, was coming out, my husband felt it was humane to tell my then 10-year-old on his own before <laughs> the child got to him. And so they went for a walk and shared that, you know, we are Santa and that's the beauty. Don't ruin it for your little sister. <laughs> and and it was really hard for him but he held it together and then weirdly enough the exact same Christmas last Christmas my daughter discovered she would draw beautiful drawings for Santa and the elves and I would hide them under the bed because I'm trying to survive and she found them under the bed she was just like what is this I was like I got no answer what do you think it is and she was horrified to discover that Santa wasn't real, but it prepared her for this year <laughs> when every Christmas becomes even more Christmassy. It prepared her for when she was auditioning for this, this the Santa Clauses that she's now starring in because she didn't have to ask questions about what's going on. She wasn't deterred by this different, <laughs> this different legacy of Santa that she had grown up with. So Christmas was a big deal for me growing up. It was a big deal for my children. And now in different ways, it's a big deal for our family. The image that came to mind with the catalog description, I mean, I don't want to sound like one of those doddering old people that wishes for a time when there were no internet. I love <laughs> I love cyberspace, but there is something to be said for flipping through physically this catalog and circling things. It's a sort of a slower pace. And I think it you're removed from the uh, being able to click and get it. And so your expectations can be managed. There is something to be said for 
paper versus digital, but we are where we are. And so I want to get right to the why this is a really big Christmas for you. First of all, as you mentioned, last year you released The Real Santa, which is your second children's book, and it's a lovely story about a family's celebrating Christmas and their celebration of Santa. So tell us a little bit about the story without giving too much away because I want everyone listening to get The Real Santa. But then I, I want to ask you about how The Real Santa came to be as a book for you. The Real Santa came to be um, because my first children's book, Bedtime Bonnet, was based on my experience with my daughter, baby Nancy, and her need to find a role model in media that wore a bonnet like her so she would wear her bonnet as a toddler. And my second book, The Real Santa, is based off of my son's eternal love for Santa Claus, which because of the book, ironically, we had to preemptively <laughs> bring a device to. Uh, but I really just was surprised that there were no books at that time. And talk about zeitgeist, right? Mm -hmm. There were no books that were in the mainstream that featured diverse Santa. And I wanted the story to be similar to the ones, uh, to the conversations in our household. Like, what does Santa look like? Who could he be? Where does he come from? And that's what I really love about The Real Santa. It's a story about a little black boy who is pondering what Santa looks like. Does he look like the Santa that he sees at the mall? Does he look like the Santa on top of his tree? You know, what Santa is the real Santa? And it's a really fun little magical story that I love. And I'm excited about mm -hmm. people enjoying it for years to come. And it's beautifully illustrated, this lovely black family with grandma and grandpa and, and the children and the house is filled with Santas, different images of Santa. And it reminds me of certainly when I was growing up, you know, we decorated the house and there was Santas and we'd always want to find the black Santas because, you know, we wanted Santa to be black. And, and you know, as I was thinking about this in terms of what does Santa look like, Santa looks like Santa looks like who we want Santa to look like. I mean, which is, <laughs> for the people listening, I'm really not giving anything away, but this book is not really for you guys. <laughs> it's really for your children. Uh -huh. But I yeah, love not, this. You can have a spoiler. It's totally fine. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the book concludes as the boy realizes Santa looks like him. And I love that because Santa looks like however we want Santa to look like. I mean, you know, you, you go to the mall and you see Santa is brown or white or whatever he is. I mean, Santa's a a concept as opposed to a white man with a white beard. And so I love that this book makes clear that Santa is, this family Santa looks like them. I hadn't seen a book with representations of, of a black Santa sort of in the course of a, a family as opposed to sort of the book that's just about Santa making him black, but a black family having a black Santa. Well, and talk about interesting things. Truly the year before, this was an anomaly. And mm -hmm. then last year, when my book comes out, there were a couple of other books that came out with Black Santa's at the same time. And then this year, I'm in the grocery store and like Reese's Peanut Butter is being marketed by a Black Santa. I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Like <laughs> how far we've come in 24 months where <laughs> you could only find like minority Santas as an othered aspect, mm -hmm. not as the main Santa, not as the Santa on the packaging for the candy or the food, but mm -hmm. as like another purchase you can buy as an addition. And mm -hmm. now we're seeing my, you know, black and brown Santas integrated into mm -hmm. mainstream 
media and it's phenomenal. And I'm so stoked. It, it is. And, you know, and you just think about this. I, I remember a few years ago, there was some discussion on one of the more conservative networks that, you know, of course, Sanders White. Can we just stop a minute and notwithstanding all of our belief in the magic of Christmas, to suggest that Santa is a particular race and not another one ignores the fact that Santa's not real. There, I've said it. Sorry, guys, if I'm ruining it for you out there, but but just the notion that Santa can't be any color is just crazy to me. So I'm very glad that we have caught up with the concept of Santa is everyone. <laughs> Santa looks like everyone. So and to think you led the way, Nancy. I'm so and, well, and I'm part of a of a concerted effort by a bunch of disparate people. That was what was really mm-hmm. interesting. While I was doing this, there were gift wrap companies who are creating mm-hmm. Black Santas and other places that were are doing all these incredible things. And I think the fun thing is, uh, I can't remember who said it, but there was someone who they were talking about activism. And their advice was pick a lane and stay in it and do the work. Mm-hmm. And and I think a lot of us were picking this Black Santa lane. <laughs> <laughs> and it all came to an amazing snowball effort mm-hmm. at once. You know, I, last year I wrote a piece for the New York Times called In Search of Black Santa and it talks about the the struggle to find a black Santa for mm-hmm. the longest time in society. And now that struggle is no longer. I mean, you have you have actual Santas everywhere that are not hidden in secrecy. Mm-hmm. Because well, I don't know if you know this, Macy's, I don't know how it's going to go down this year. But every year when we used to go to the New York City Macy's Herald Square, if you wanted black Santa, if you wanted regular Santa, you just stayed in line. If you wanted Hispanic or black Santa... You had to pull an elf aside like midway through the line and say, I'm here for special Santa. And then they push you in a different line to go to see the other Santa. And it's not even anywhere marketed. You have to know this secret through word of mouth. So I found out through another black mom, okay, what you do is you go (laughs) to Macy's and you you make your appointment. But when you get in that line, you're going to see an elf. (laughs) You're going to tell the special Santa. And it's like, we've had to jump through so many hurdles. So it's really nice to not be othered. Absolutely. I mean, whomever is sitting in the Santa seat can be Santa. <laughs> There's actually an amazing HBO Max documentary. The, the director just emailed me today called Santa Camp. And it actually, you know, one of the people it follows is a black man who had a black Santa in his yard and was getting hate mail and harassed about the black Santa and he goes to this Santa camp, which is, you know, mostly white Santas learn just like getting together every year to like learn how to be better at their Santa game. And he's like, I am determined to to be a Santa for my community. I'm not going to back down to this hate. And it's it's I haven't seen the whole thing. I've only seen the trailer, but it's very touching. And I'm happy that these types of stories are being shared in the media. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to the show. So, Media, great segue to your darling daughter, who we met at the last podcast as Baby Nancy, and now she is an accomplished actress, and she is an actress named Rupali, but you're going to tell us why that is. Her name is still Nancy, but she acts as Rupali, and she is starring in a limited series on Disney Plus called The Santa Clauses. So, Nancy, when I last spoke with you in this podcast, your children were adorable, but neither one of them were acting, <laughs> certainly acting outside the home. I'm sure they were doing all sorts of great stuff for you guys. But they were so just acting me. up. They weren't acting. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, tell me about this journey. 
I know. When we first, when we talked two years ago on this podcast, Stefan, you also hadn't won all these awards. So, I mean, look, oh. both of us have grown <laughs> in this time. And it was smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. And, you know, I was looking for activities. I was a pandemic bunker. Mm-hmm. I took the opportunity, as we talked about, to really hone in and focus on my nuclear family and make sure everybody was doing well and being the best person they could be. I was terrified before vaccines of COVID and I didn't want unnecessary harm to come to my family. So we kind of just like bunkered up. And after a while, they, they, they were, the world was kind of reopening. There were still no child vaccines and my children didn't have anything to do and they didn't know what to do. And they had always kind of expressed a little interest in what daddy did. You know, daddy's mm-hmm. an actor. I'm a host. So that's unscripted. It's a little bit more foreign to them. And I was bopping around and I found a really interesting Zoom acting school. And my son started in it. My daughter actually didn't start into it for a while because he, you know, some people during the pandemic learned how to bake bread or knit. And some people during the pandemic learned how to become an actor like my kid. <laughs> and um, so they started, we started with commercials because my husband just pinged his old commercial agent. I was like, Hey, do you do families? She was like, I'll do yours. <laughs> <'Cause> we, <laughs> but you know, when you, when you want to get your kids, it's, it's commercials are a great way to get used to set without having to take it so seriously. And we started booking left and right and they were having a blast and it was a great self-esteem booster. It was a great mm-hmm. opportunity for them to build their own, you know, savings, so much fun. And so when we took this leap to regular acting, it was just with my son. And my daughter last Christmas said, I remember she was we were at dinner and we were having, you know, our dinner table conversations like we talked about last mm-hmm. time. And she said, I think I'd like to try acting because I think it'll help me get over my shyness. Oh. It's so cute. She was six. She was still six, I believe. And we thought it was cute. So we just asked our son's representation. And she said, I have her put something on tape. And she did. She's like, oh, she's really good. Okay, let's do this. And she goes out for two auditions. And the second one is the Santa Clauses. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. And it was just a, it's a, it's a great example of like the role being right for you. Mm-hmm. Because of my book and because of the projects that are ancillary to my book that I can't announce right now, The Real Santa we celebrated Christmas year round, like year round. We were eating on Christmas plates. <laughs> and I'm constantly having to do promotions for right. this and, and, and business meetings and all these other things. So Christmas was a huge part of our, our family. So when the audition comes in, I believe the audition was like in January or February, we're still <laughs> in Christmas mode. <laughs> and um, so she's got the little Christmas spirit and it was for the role of grace on the Santa Clauses is, is a blendian black and Indian girl whose father is maybe tapped to be the next Santa Claus. And she just really leaned right into it and (laughs) harnessed the talent that she got from her dad into this incredible opportunity for an eight-year-old. Wow. That is amazing. I want to dive more into her work. I just have to ask the parenting question. How was August with all of this (laughs) since he was the pioneer? Oh, my God. Well, because actually, so... We, our household ebbs and flows with who's on, who's, who's, who's in the spotlight in general. Like daddy will be doing something and I'm not doing anything. Mommy will be doing something. I'm not doing anything. So the, actually the best thing about this is the first commercial audition, our commercial agent sent us out as a family. Oh, it was actually me and my two children. It wasn't, there wasn't a dad in it. My, we all three of us booked it. Me, my daughter and my son. 
but the stipulation was you had to be able to swim. And my daughter had refused to pay attention to her swim class lessons. We always said, you're going to need to know how to swim. Not, we did not think for a commercial. But so when they mm-hmm. found out she couldn't actually swim without, you know, dying, they had to kick her out of the ad. And she was salty and said, look, you just, you just gotta be, you cannot be, take this out on your brother. You have to just be grateful that our family is succeeding and you have to be congratulatory of him because there Mm -hmm. is going to be a point where he is going to need to be congratulatory for you and you want him to be your support. And I always tell them, I say, because you guys are each other's first friends and you will always be each other's best friends. No one will have your back like your sibling. So, so we had our, so we had had that experience. Where she had to, and I have to laugh though, I'm not going to lie. The very next day she was like, can I get back in my swimming lessons? Sis could swim across a pool in like two days. It was the funniest thing. It's like, oh, all of a sudden now, now you want to learn how to swim. So Nothing each- like real motivation. <laughs> <laughs> Economic <laughs> motivation. <laughs> so he's really proud because we're very careful with our language with our children. And mm-hmm. I we made sure that he knew and that she knew that the reason she got this is because he was able to succeed. He's the, he's the person who got the stellar representation for children. Mm-hmm. And then she said, hey, I'd like to do that too. He was the connection to this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which gives him a sense of, which a legitimate sense of importance in the process, right? He is the role model for this to trip down to baby sister who just was sitting there eating her little sweet potato thinking that maybe acting would help her get over her shyness. Cause she actually was very shy. A lot of actors are shy and mm-hmm. um, find acting to be a good outlet to have a pretend persona. That's not shy. <laughs> that is such a great story. And I love how you as a family are approaching, I mean, acknowledging that he opened the door for her. I think so many of us get wherever we're going in life by virtue of people that help us. And, and yes, it's a privilege and it's, it's great to have, but all you can do is acknowledge it and pass it along. And so August is, I love it because he can be genuinely proud of his sister and know that he helped her in, in her quest. So that's great. Now, before I forget, tell the story of why baby Nancy is now Rupali. So I'm Nancy Amanda. My mom's name is Amanda. My grandma's name is Nancy. My great grandma's name was Amanda. My great great grandma's name is Nancy. And so uh, technically, baby Nancy is supposed to be Amanda. But narcissist that I am, I really <laughs> like my name. I really like the name Nancy because there are no other Nancys. Like very few people are named Nancy. And mm-hmm. I wanted a baby Nancy. And when we were thinking about her middle name, well, I wanted to name August Rupak, but my husband wanted him to have his own identity. Mm-hmm. And so that's how August came about. Uh, but with my daughter, I figured she'd have her own personality regardless of what her name was. And I was looking for a, a similar name to Rupak for her middle name. And I found Rupali and I love it. And when it comes time, when you become an actress, when you do this work, you can't have the same name as other people. You know how mm-hmm. there's Vanessa Williams and there's Vanessa L. Williams? Right. So right. you have to, in SAG, um, which is the acting union, pick a name. And I'm already Nancy Red in SAG. And I didn't want her to be Nancy R. I didn't like the name Nancy. I felt like that was too derivative. And I wanted her to have her own world. So we went with Rapali Red. I asked her, do you like that? She's like, yes. And here we and are. It gets, so It gets your name back in there, too, because her last her name is Nancy Jin, isn't it? Is it? No, well, no, her well, last name is actually Bhattacharya. Right. And we came into this world back when 
people were like, you need to change your name. In red, we would love, I mean, I love Bhattacharya. I, I, I'm a big uh, fan of everyone owning their own name, but mm-hmm. it's complicated when you're, when you're in between, we're like that age that's in between, you know, change your name and, and change it back. It's almost impossible mm-hmm. to change it back once you have a reputation. But so she's Rupali Red, my son is August Red, I'm Nancy Red, and my husband is Rupak Jin. But behind closed curtains, we're all under the same family name, but it's just in public that this exists. Wow. It's actually kind of neat because I have lots of family members who are known by one name to the public and a total different name at home. <laughs> as she gets older, the people that know her as Nancy will be one group of people, and then there'll be people that know her as Rupali. And, and you know, it's funny. My husband has, his name is William, and he goes by Bill, but he can tell, depending on what people call him, how they know him or how well they know him. So, so yeah. That and also, is. you can tell if someone knew you as a child because they'll call him something like Pete Pete. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, he, yeah, they call them Boo. <laughs> Boo. Yeah, Boo yeah. Lewis. <laughs> like, I have an uncle, his name is Dunus, and no one calls him Dunus except people from a very small part of town. And I was like, his name is Robert. Where did Dunus come from? Oh, because when he was growing up, he was the sweetest child. He always do nice. So we just started <laughs> calling him Dunus. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So just to keep this going for one more minute, my father had 13 siblings that lived to adulthood out of of 15 children in his family, no multiple births. And so they had a lot of names to work with. Most of my aunts and uncles, names that we knew them as was different than their given names. And and one of the more well-known instances of that is I had an uncle, Percy Sutton, who was well-known here in New York, you know, politician and on the Apollo Theater. No one in my family ever called him Percy. <laughs> we never, ever, ever. And so we, his name was Jim. It was always Uncle Jim. And so it was very, I always had to switch out because he was sort of a public figure here in the city and people would say, oh, I know your Uncle Percy. It's like, oh, right. <laughs> so yeah, my entire family, my father's side, they were dual names for everyone. So none of them were in the acting business, but we are all very familiar with that, <laughs> the name for the public and the, and the name when you get in the house with your family. It's actually very soothing, especially now that everybody has such a public persona, right? We're all, life is a stage, right? And we're just Mm -hmm. back. And so I was joking with you offline. I was just like, you know, it's not Rapali who's going to be clearing the table after dinner, washing the dishes. It's baby Nancy. (laughs) 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 It's like Clark Kent versus Superman. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so on that same notion. So now, I mean, Rapali's gone from wanting to appear in a commercial with her brother to combat shyness to being in this globally seen Christmas special that is a limited series. I mean, she's going to be on the air for a while. I've looked at YouTube videos of her doing interviews. I mean, granted, her father's an actor. I mean, she's certainly seen this done before, but did she just take to this like a duck um, takes to water? Or did you have to work with her to sort of keep her confidence up or sort of not have stage fright? I mean, did she just sort of slide into this or did you have to do any kind of super parenting to sort of help her stay ready for the role? Oh, well, if we if I had had to do super parenting, we wouldn't be doing this because the only way <laughs> this is going to work is it's easy because I've told the children as of the minute you don't want to do this anymore, you let me know because daddy and mommy have a whole lot going on. I mean, we're selling TV shows. We're on TV shows. Like we have our lives. We support their endeavors, right? Like, mm-hmm. and so... I, I, at least once a month, we have a little audit. Still want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is always yes, which I'm always happy about because I'm happy for them. But mm-hmm. 
especially now after COVID where we have to actually go places for auditions and like we have to put on pants to do things. So <laughs> that, that's a whole can of ROI that I was thinking about in the pandemic. Uh, but it makes me happy for them. And with her in particular, it was hilarious because she was very shy and I'm a Southern woman, so in the pandemic, I did a lot of silly things that my mom did with me just to pass the time. Like, we would walk with a book on our head and do all the graceful things. And, you know, mm-hmm. not not for any other reason it's fun. And you know what it's like. You have a little girl, you, just, you know, if, if they take yeah. to it, then it, then it's fun to do these things. So I feel like she was really prepared for her mm-hmm. moment. And she got lucky that there was no better first role than this one. Because she's all Christmas all the time anyway. She was working with consummate professionals. Everybody was brilliant. And it was a lovely, wholesome, hearty role that carried the show. But it wasn't It wasn't like she had to go to set five days a week and do grueling <laughs> stuff. Right, right. You know, eating marshmallow pillows and <laughs> meeting Santa. So right, right. I didn't thing and and in the, thank goodness it was an easy slide in because I was living my best stage mom life when right in the middle of her shoot my mother who is my everything fell very ill and mm-hmm. I had to just kind of ghost the whole process and she was a consummate professional and she didn't falter she just had a blast and I was in the hospital with my mom across the country and she just continued to do her work and not complain and had, she, cause she was having a blast and my husband's also amazing too. And, and we had an amazing coach that made sure she was prepared and I got the best compliment. My mom who's now doing much better. And she called me up. She was just like, this is perhaps the best thing that I will ever read about your children because it is about your parenting. And, and um, Cal Penn, her co-star said, that he didn't know what her parents had done, but she came to set very prepared and made his job easy every time. And that she was a very talented actress. And for those of us in the industry, there we know you, often the the shoe is on the other foot. People are showing up not prepared. We really didn't want that to be her because it reflects on us. And mm-hmm. so my mom, so the last time you and I talked, Carol, we talked about my mom's one statement to me throughout my entire embarrassing childhood was, "Please do not embarrass this family." <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy that she represented our family and herself well in her first endeavor. Wow. No, absolutely. I mean, literally, you start the show and you see Rupali, little baby Nancy slash Rupali. It's like the first thing you see. I was like, of course, I wanted to see before I spoke with you. I was like, oh, there she is. Oh, <laughs> she's, she's right there. So, oh, such a great story. Oh, and such such a heartwarming story, perfect for the holidays. So I want to encourage everyone out there to do two things. First, run out now and see we're airing this as the holiday season begins. So everybody has plenty of time to do this. Run either run to the store for those few of you who still buy books in stores. I hope there are more of you, but if you or run to your computer and get a copy of The Real Claws. And even if your kids are too old for this, I don't know if anybody's too old for a Christmas story, but if they are, give it as a gift to little ones because um, there's it's so delightful to see, to read the story and to see this beautiful brown family enjoying their Christmas. So that's the first thing you do. And then be sure to watch The Santa Claus. We should say... For those of you who, who, for whom this might mean something, is that it's kind of a 
sequel of sorts to The Santa Claus because Tim Allen reprises his role as Santa Claus. And so it's, it is, it's not, it's, it's a new story, but it's based on a very familiar one. You know, all the Santa Claus movies that Tim Allen did. If you love those movies, you wonder what Santa Claus was doing now, then this is what the series is all about. And so I, I want everyone to see this limited series and root for Rupali because we're watching the beginning of what I'm sure is a really wonderful career. I'm really excited <laughs> for you <laughs> because I mean, like we said already, this is so not what we were talking about the last time. <laughs> and and what I hear, which is very good, is that you are giving your children license and agency to do this thing for as long as it interests them. But this is not your world. I mean, even though that you're in the same industry, this is only as good as they want it to be. I mean, it's not. <laughs> it's not. I mean, and I say that because parents need to know that you need to have a healthy distance if your children are interested in this world. Because unfortunately, it isn't always as easy as it has been for Rupali. And you know. it won't always be easy for her either. But I explain it to anyone like I have girlfriends whose children are heavily into gymnastics or mm-hmm. basketball or fencing or anything. You get invested, but the, but the investment has to come from them. You can be invested, but the children mm-hmm. are the ones that have to do the investment. And whatever, like they're only going to be as not as good as you want them to be, but as good as they're willing to go. And you really need, as a discerning parent who's thinking about their long-term trajectory, you've got to give the whole thing a bird's eye view and say, is this worth their time and my time? Because Mm -hmm. if not, maybe we should pivot and course correct and rip the Band-Aid off early and call it a hobby or once in a, uh, uh, an occasional experience versus me showing up to this gymnastics mat <laughs> <laughs> and they're refusing to do their stretches at home. You know, so right, right, I right. think that whatever you do with your children, because all of us these days are doing the most with these mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you need to think about it. Is this something that will benefit them now? Is this something that will benefit them in 10 years? Is this something that will benefit them in 30 years? And then also at the same time, how much time and effort should I put into this at each of these stages? And then how much time and effort are they willing to mm-hmm. put in? Uh, because gone are the days where you can snowplow your kid and make them do the things that you wanted them to do. And it seemingly seems like success. That's mm-hmm. not, that's, that's an old textbook. Not going to work. It worked kind <laughs> of with us a little bit. Because I know I had to do some stuff I didn't want to do. <laughs> but... Oh, it's 2022. And you have Mm -hmm. to make sure your child is as invested and content by what they're doing extracurricularly as you hope they are. Right. No, absolutely. Wonderful advice. And with that, I will say thank you so much for coming back. Again, I want parents to remember to get Nancy's book, The Real Claus, and encourage your family to watch Rapali's limited series, The Santa Clauses on Disney+. Plus. Nancy, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I look forward to our next podcast visit where you'll have some new and amazing, (laughs) amazing announcements for us. (laughs) Thank you. And happy holidays. (laughs) I hope everyone listening enjoyed this conversation and that you'll come back for more. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and tell your friends. For more parenting info and advice, please check out the Ground Control Parenting blog at groundcontrolparenting.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Ground Control Parenting and on LinkedIn under Carol Sutton Lewis. 
The Ground Control Parenting with Carol Sutton Lewis podcast is a part of the Seneca Women Podcast Network in partnership with iHeartMedia. Until the next time, take care and thanks for listening.